This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Libby is off enjoying her summer vacation. It's nice of you to join me today. It appears that Mayor John Tory is exploring any and all options to mount a legal challenge against Premier Doug Ford's plan to reduce the size of Toronto City Council. He's met with some outside legal experts who are suggesting an injunction is possible pending a court challenge, but the official recommendation will come from the City of Toronto's solicitor in a special council meeting on August 20th. At the same time, results of a new online survey have been published, with two-thirds of Toronto voters saying they do not agree with the Premier's unilateral decision to cut council from 47 to 25 members. This continues to be a hot-button issue, and we want to conduct our own survey here on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. So weigh in with your opinion on the Premier's bill to cut council and Mayor Tory's bid to keep it as it is, at least through the coming municipal election. Numbers to call, 416-360-0740 or toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Joining our discussion Today is municipal law expert John Mascaren and Katrina Miller, program director for the Broadband Institute, which conducted that online poll. Welcome to you both. Hi, Jane. Thanks for having us. Hi, Jane. Hi, Katrina. Katrina, let's talk about the survey results first. Maybe it doesn't come as a big surprise that Toronto voters are mostly against reducing council. Well, I think what comes as a surprise here is um, is how voters are reacting to what is largely an undemocratic um, and unilateral move by Premier Ford, where he stepped into the middle of an election, weeks before voters are expected to go to the polls, after candidates have already signed up and created their campaigns and decided to change the rules drastically. And that's what we're seeing the reaction to. Uh, the process of reducing council, that, that is really the issue for those, of, uh, for those who you polled, yes? Yes, they want to see Ford um, move this consideration till after the election. They understand that trying to change the rules in the middle of the election just is unfair and undemocratic, and they want to see more consultation. John, what do you think about what some of your legal counterparts are saying, that an injunction is possible? Well, you know, it may be possible, but you you certainly have to first ground your argument in something. So you can't n- normally just go and get an injunction. You have to file some sort of proceeding to show that uh, there may be some merit in any legal argument. And I've always said in this case, and Katrina has partly alluded to it in the uh, in the uh, study that they've done, is uh, a lot of people are saying this is just the wrong time to do it, and uh, where's the consultation? And I really think that the City of Toronto should at least ground his argument in 
initially by saying there was no consultation whatsoever by the province with this decision. And that is something that's required by Section 1 of the City of Toronto Act. So I think that's where you at least start. And then possibly you can argue, and we may even uh, further talk about this, the, the lack of effective representation that this change is proposed to make. And those two coupled together will at least give you some legal grounds on which to uh, file uh, an application or some sort of review of this decision. And then you can argue, look, the best thing to do right now is to leave the status quo. So let's get an injunction. How likely is the city solicitor, Wendy Wahlberg, to suggest this injunction idea? I think uh, Wendy is going to look at this really closely, and she's going to probably look back at precedent, and she's going to go uh, uh, back 20 years. And Jane and Katrina, you'll remember the uh, provincial government of the day uh, decided that uh, the metropolitan uh, Toronto level of government was not good with uh, six constituent municipalities. And what you did need was a large megacity. And so the Mike Harris government back in 1996-1997 passed the City of Toronto Act and had the constitutional authority to do so, where it said, you know what, the former municipality ceased to exist, the former metropolitan municipality ceases to exist, and now you only have one government with 44 council members and one mayor. That was the decision made 20 years ago against referenda, against public opinion polls, against the wishes of those six municipalities and the metropolitan municipality. So I think Wendy Wahlberg will probably come back and say, I'm not really sure you're going to have a better argument this time around. But the interesting difference, I think, um, that you've alluded to is that the City of Toronto Act wasn't uh, created back then. In fact, the City of Toronto Act was created, I think, in 2006, if I remember correctly, specifically to give the City of Toronto, recognizing that it's larger than many Canadian provinces, um, some rights and some independence to determine its own way of government, including um, its city council seats. And, in fact, it just went through a two-year consultative process that involved an awful lot, a lot of study, an awful lot of public funds, by the way, in order to come up with the council seats that are now existing for this election. It's a shame to see Doug Ford um, disregard that so instantly and decide instead to step in with a unilateral decision that has no research and no consultation behind it. We'd like your opinion as well. 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. I appreciate uh, both of you bringing uh, history into the conversation as well. John, do you play back for us 20 years ago now when that was changed, when we went to the individual governments of Metropolitan Toronto, to the amalgamated Toronto government, how, where did that fall into the election cycle, that decision? Um, I, I Honestly, I can't remember where it fell into the election cycle, but I can tell you it did not fall in the middle of an election cycle like this one. And I I completely hear Katrina's uh, response to to me. Yes, there are 
completely different uh, uh, rules in place. And that's why I started off saying, well, what the city of Toronto should do is try to ground at least one of its arguments in that the province said to itself in the legislation, we need to consult. And that hasn't occurred at all. So and last time, at least there was some consultation. You had uh, the majority uh, government of the day saying, we're going to do this. But at least there was some consultation. And to mm-hmm. Katrina's point earlier, uh, th- th- there hasn't been any. And wh- where, why are they doing it? For some mythic uh, cost savings of $25 million that hasn't been substantiated anywhere. And I think that what we also see in the poll uh, that we uh, conducted last week was that uh, Toronto residents and Toronto voters like the idea of Toronto City Council having some ability for self-determination. They were asked who should be making this type of decision about City Council seats. It was clear that two-thirds of them said it should be Toronto City Council. They want that decision made within a, a, a sphere that they have some representation and some ability to voice their interests and their concerns. All right, let's get to the phones. Bill in Bracebridge, you are our first caller of the week here on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. What do you think about the discussion and the decision to reduce council? Well, first of all, the poll, I don't know how much I I trust a broadband poll. Every poll uh, seeks out its own answer, and I'm pretty pretty sure which answer this poll was seeking out. But that being said, everything I hear, everything I've heard on radio, and I consume multiple news sources, everybody seems to be right on board with downsizing. So I don't know where everybody's getting off with all the hissy fit. And what, what's the big deal? If, it, if it's bad, you can undo it in four years. Well, Bill, I mean, certainly here on this show, we talked about this issue last week. And you're right. The majority of callers to Zuma Radio's Fight Back said they didn't mind the decision and they backed Premier Ford. But typically in talk radio, you will get people calling in with a more conservative bent. I always like to hear from the full spectrum of listeners. A lot of times people with a more progressive viewpoint will just sit back and listen. Uh, Those who feel more convicted on the right will call in with their opinion, as you've done today. Uh, So, you know, prove, prove this survey wrong or right by calling in and voicing your opinion. It's always anonymous. You don't have to give your name, but you're opinion is valued. 416-360-0740. Toll-free 1-866-744-740. Katrina, what about Bill's complaint there that the Broadband Institute is looking for a more left-leaning poll result? Well, I think that, uh, you know, this is why we don't conduct the poll. We hire an independent uh, research uh, group to conduct the poll, which is Abacus Research. And there are polling, there are polling institutes specifically made to do opinion research, um, and they have to take control of the actual um, process of conducting the poll so that there isn't interference. And that's the results we're talking about. We're talking about randomly selected people, 900 of them throughout Toronto, um, that are randomly selected and asked a set of questions. The questions are transparent. Um, they're on the website, so you can take a look at the questions and decide for yourself if you think they're fair questions or not. Um, and those people then are balanced statistically in order to represent the population of voters in Toronto. Does the Broadband Institute come up with the questions, or does the Abacus uh, Survey Group do that? They, they largely word the questions. We talk to them about what we want to find out 
what kind of questions we want to ask. And then they tell us, this is the fair way to ask the question. This is not a fair way to ask the question. This is how you're actually going to get some sort of result that will tell you something useful. And some people will, uh, people will say that online polls are not uh, as accurate as a phone survey. Is that, is that truth? Um, not to my understanding, but I have to admit that I am not a polling expert. Right. Um, what we've been told by our polling experts, like an abacus data, that online polls are as reliable as phone polls. Okay, the phones uh, are lighting up. Let's go to Jennifer in Mississauga. Hi, Jennifer. What's your opinion on this? Uh, Probably we could reduce things, but I really disagree with the fact of how Ford has handled it. I, uh, I don't believe it should be unilateral. I think there should be a certain amount of uh, discussion and uh, looking into these things. Now we're, we've, the previous government looked into all the sex ed um, stuff for years and, and did get a number of people to decide on that, and now they're going to relook at it, um, then, and we're not going to look at really should the do proper research and due diligence to say what should the size be. And uh, what bothers me is for just unilaterally making that call. Thanks for your call, Jennifer. Uh, John, uh, how much does this poll weigh into what the legal experts are mulling over right now, what the city solicitor is going to suggest? Will they bring these results uh, to a court to say, look, the, the vast majority of Toronto voters, according to this, or maybe there will be other polls by then, don't like this idea. They want to decide for themselves what happens with their municipal government. Sure, they'll they'll try to use uh, every uh, everything that they can in their arsenal. That's certainly something that they should bring to the attention. Uh, I'll have to go back again twenty years, and that was the evidence that was put before uh, uh, Mr. Justice Borens uh, at the first instance that in that decision of uh, East York versus uh, the Ontario Attorney General, saying, "Look, we've had referenda, we've had public opinion polls, we've had all this research done, and the people don't want an amalgamated city." And yet, Justice Borns, in that case, said with the stroke of a pen, constitutionally, the province holds the power and province can create a municipality, can also eradicate a municipality. Again, the difference here is that there is an enshrinement and an agreement between the province and the city of Toronto that there will be mutual respect between them, uh, consultation and cooperation. And I think all three of those things have been missing, at least from the provincial uh, view and uh, um, I think the city of Toronto will, of course, use uh, uh, the, the poll and other uh, evidence that they have to say, no, the numbers are correct. We've thought about it, as Katrina said. For two years, we studied it. We had an independent consultant uh, study it. We had reports to city council. City council had their own professionals, uh, staff look at it, made the decisions. It was appealed to the Ontario Municipal Board, and then it was judicially reviewed. What more could you want? And what do you have on the other side? There's an astounding lack of, uh, astonishing lack of, uh, of empirical study evidence uh, from the province side on why this is a good idea at this time. Fascinating. Let's go to Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. You're on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. Uh, um, what do you think about council well, being reduced? Oh, well, I agree with it because I agree with uh, I, the amalgamation. Matter of fact, I would like to see them amalgamate Mississauga, Ajax, part of Bonn all into this one city so we have one public transportation system that would be kind of like the GTA. But what I find about polls, um, I get several questions like, uh, I must be on a list of everybody phones me, but it's always on a line phone. So if they're only phoning line phones, they maybe get a slanted point of view because 
how many people have line phones? I have a line phone. I have a cell phone, too, but I never get a poll phone me on a cell phone. So what you're saying is that it's a different demographic that has a landline still. Yeah, uh, I know a few people that have landlines still, but very few. Most of them have cell phones. The reason that uh, where I live... We have landlines because they're hooked up to the doorbell in the condo situation. <laughs> right. Well, it was it was interesting here. We had a, a Zoomer Media Town Hall uh, not too long ago, and one of the people addressing our, our entire staff said, "Okay, put your hands up if uh, you know you're if you have a landline." And you know, a bunch of hands went up, and they said, "And how many of those people are fifty plus?" And almost yeah. all the hands went up again. Right. Uh, whereas yeah. the younger people don't tend to have. Cable don't tend to have uh, landlines, as you mentioned. Yeah, so it, it, they, some of these surveys may be a little bit skewed because of that, because of the people that they're getting on these questionnaires. I get several of them, and I like it because I don't mind if somebody calls me. I will. I don't. I care if I'm on there for twenty minutes, a half an hour, given my point of view. But um, I agree with the the city uh, reducing the numbers. Especially now that we have three one one, because when you have a problem in the city, you call three one one. You don't need to go to your council anymore, and somebody's going to answer you right away, and you're not going to get oh he'll call you back. They do it. I've had within the last three weeks, I called twice. We had a sinkhole, and I had them put uh, uh, reduce. Put signs up because there's a lot of seniors on my building. Right, there's a park across the street. No, you're right, Bob. You're, you, you know, I take your point, And somebody else called about that last week too. I'm going to let you go because other people want to get in on this. Um, but John, in terms of the Broadband Institute and some concern that it may be the the results may be skewed for a larger city council. I mean, even in the Toronto Star story today, uh, they quote somebody at the Fraser Institute, mm-hmm. long known for being right-leaning, saying that uh, what Doug Ford is trying to do is completely undemocratic. So uh, it seems to me that from a, what's bothering people is the process. The, the whole legality of this seems to be more the issue than whether ultimately it's right or wrong to reduce the size of council. I agree with you. Uh, I think uh, if the conversation had happened after the municipal election and there was some due diligence and some thought put into it, but it seems like a knee-jerk reaction, and I keep hearing comments that it's vindictive, uh, it's a vendetta against his enemies. I'm not sure I believe all that, but the the timing couldn't be worse. Uh, uh, You've got to feel for those people who have invested a lot of time, energy, uh, and uh, and money to run, only to be told, oh, you know, the rules are being changed on you in mid-course, and now you're going to be running against your, you know, your, your friend, the guy who was your ally for the last four years, or, you know, and things like that. So, you know, you're also tinkering with people's vested rights, and that's why I think a lot of people are very upset and calling it undemocratic. And Katrina Miller at the Broadband Institute, uh, the organization which commissioned the poll, do, do you think that there will be another poll from your organization? I mean, surely this is not the last we're going to hear of what Toronto voters think about this idea. Well, whether it's our organization or another organization, I think people are very interested in tracking um, what Toronto voters and other people in the province and throughout Canada think of this. We've heard municipal leaders um, from other areas of Canada look upon this and say that is incredibly undemocratic and unfair. Um, So I think we're going to see those comments 
step up over time. You've got to remember, Premier Ford did this in the dead of summer. Um, when most people are trying to go out and enjoy the beautiful weather with their families. And as people start to come back and start to recognize what a drastic act this actually is, we'll see more and more people turn against it. All right. Out of respect for John Mascaren's time, our um, municipal law expert today, I know you have to go, John. So thank you very much for your time. We'll continue for a couple of more minutes on this same topic and look forward to uh, discussing this with you or another topic down the road. Thanks for having me, Jane. Bye now. Okay, we're back to the phones. Let's go to John and Barry. Hi, John. What's what's your take on Premier Ford's decision to cut council? Well, I agree with uh, Doug Ford cutting council. Timing is um, always uh, a bit of a problem, whether you do it before election or after election. Uh, either way, you're still going to have a lot of squabbling. The one question that uh, doesn't seem to be coming out anywhere on the... Uh, spectrum is that once persons are hired or a person is elected into council that they don't uh, they can't make other decisions decisions that weren't made during uh, the run-up for the actual election I'll just uh, Okay, I'm a little at loss. No, I un- no, I understand. Uh, um, certainly, when you have a lot more council members, it's e- it's more difficult to come to decisions. But uh, as has been raised by councillors who've been on our show, that they get through hundreds of agenda items every time they meet. So, in terms of it being dysfunctional, a lot of people would argue that under Mayor Tory, that is no longer the case. But under Doug Ford's uh, late brother, uh, Rob Ford, things were much more divisive and. Uh, uh, and dysfunctional, if you want to use that word. Let's go to Al in Toronto. Hi, Al. What's your thought? Uh, I think this type of thing is going to happen again and, and again and again unless we make Toronto a province. So you you like the idea that Jennifer Keysmat uh, threw out before she uh, decided to run for mayor? Yeah, basically, uh, Toronto is bigger than all four maritime provinces combined. So, you know, we should be a province, and then this type of thing won't happen again and again and again. Interesting. Well, maybe you agree with Al. Uh, if you don't get in today, we have Free For All Friday always at the end of the week, and this could very likely still be the hot topic by the time we get to Friday. We'll take one more call. Let's go to Pat in Toronto. Hi, Pat. You're the final word here from our callers on a reduced city council. Good idea. Do you like what well, Premier Ford I've is doing? Well, I've been a councillor in Muskoka for the last... <clears throat> eight years. Mm-hmm. And I, the thought of being on a council with 47 people is just plain scary. I'm sure most of the decisions there get made at the committee level. Um, and yes, if John Tory has made it run well, it's all credit to him. But I get very concerned when you get that large an organization. And, you know, what what Doug Ford is doing is no different than what McGinty did with the gas plants, etc. One of the little pieces of trivia that I learned last week is that um, uh, Doug Ford has changed things with regard to the environment. So the species at risk is being transferred from the Ministry of Natural Resources over to the environment people who know nothing about it. So there's lots of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that people almost never hear about. 
Um, this is just one small piece. And, um, uh, you know, the real answer, in my view, is get good people to run for elected positions. Okay, thank you, Pat. And Katrina Miller, uh, just one final comment uh, from you on this as well. Uh, The callers who phoned into Zoomer Radio's fight back today don't necessarily reflect what you heard from Toronto voters. No, and I think that that's, you know, that's fair. Everyone has their own opinion. But I think what we need to look at is what's fair for voters and candidates this time around. You know, weeks before an election, we have 300 people signed up to be candidates among 47 seats. And a lot of those are new, uh, new people interested in politics, uh, young people who are interested in politics, people from visible minorities who are trying to find a way to better represent uh, those minorities in government. And if this move goes forward, if that's reduced to 25 seats, we're going to end up with an election of people who are either incumbents or who have a lot of money and a lot of power being able to have way more chance of success. I appreciate your perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Katrina Miller, Program Director for the Broadbent Institute. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.